And welcome to Behind the Numbers, everyone. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and we're coming to you live from the RVN Television Studios. Today, we're going to be talking about the connection between employee engagement and communication, connecting those dots and how they're related. And I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Anthony Lassenai. Anthony, welcome. Thank you so much. Anthony, I'm sorry. I, my apologies. Thanks for joining us on Behind the Numbers today. Um, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Anthony, why don't you... Why don't you start out by you just giving the audience a little bit of, of your background to set the stage for this conversation, if you don't mind. Sure. I'm based in Sweden, Scandinavia, traveled the world, uh, coaching leaders and teams around the world. And I've noticed that many of them are pretty frustrated uh, today. A lot of things about why aren't they as passionate as I am? And why do I have so many misunderstandings going on and things like that? So that's what I do when I'm out on different stages, mainly as a keynote speaker, but also as a communication skills trainer. Yeah, you're known as a communications expert, so I'm really eager to hear how we're going to connect these dots here. But let's start off with the engagement side. And, and it, look, it's obvious, right? You want your employees to be engaged. People, I think, generally want to be engaged. They want to show up at work and, and you know, bring their best self and, and do good things. Give us your perspective on the, the significance of engagement. Yeah, I mean, I see a very clear link between communication, engagement, and then performance, which leads to some sort of results. So, I mean, good communication leads to high engagement, which leads to better performance. And, of course, the opposite is always true as well. I've seen a lot of numbers when it comes to engagement. You know, what happens when you have a team that is truly engaged and what happens when they're not? And uh, the numbers are pretty staggering, actually. Can we go into some numbers, even if this program is called Behind the Numbers? Is it okay with you? Oh, Absolutely. All right. So some of the numbers I've seen is that if you have a high engaged, you know, a highly engaged, uh, highly motivated team, you will get a productivity boost by about 30%. You will get uh, customer satisfaction up 30% and you will actually get a stock price if the value of the company will go up around 60%. Those are the, some of the numbers I found. And I also found some pretty scary numbers if you have a, a team of very low engagement where you have perhaps a lot of conflicts and things going on. For instance, um, 49% more uh, accidents, 60% uh, more errors are made, 78% uh, less creativity and engagement. Uh, so, so it's all of those things that happens at the same time. So for me, it's a no-brainer. I guess it's for you as well, a no-brainer that, you know, make sure that your team is engaged because if they thrive, the whole team, the whole organization will, uh, you, you will have better results. Yeah, it is a no-brainer, but I, I needed to have you say the words because I, I'm, I'm always talking about this sort of thing, and you know that I've written a couple of books about the, the connection between employee engagement, leadership, and the impact on business value or stock price, as you alluded to. So uh, always gratifying to hear when guests come on and, and corroborate that. So I think we all know it intrinsically, right? An engaged workforce is, is going to be more productive. More productive workforce is going to lead to more profitability, which is going to increase the value of the business. You referenced Gallup in, in your, your statement there, but uh, I know you've been uh, on record as saying Gallup has it wrong. What does that mean? Well, Gallup is a great company and they get uh, almost, almost everything right, but they have this kind of bell curve where they say that some people, perhaps as less as 10% in some countries, are, are actively engaged, which is a kind of low number, and then it goes up in some, some other countries. And perhaps also 10% of the people are actively disengaged of the employees, which is really bad because then they're saboteurs. And then they claim that all of the rest of the people, which could be somewhere around you know, 50 to 
they call them disengaged. Yeah. And this is where I believe that they use the word wrong, because words matter. The way you phrase things matter. And if you say that all of the rest are disengaged, while in fact some people are actually pretty engaged, satisfied, come to work, believe it's a good place to do to be, you know, they like their boss, they like their work, they like, you know, the assignments, they like everything, they like the purpose of the company. But it's a job. They still have another life. They are not the people we should worry so much about. We should worry about the saboteurs, of course. But to just cluster that whole group in the middle, the, mo the majority, and just call them disengaged is, for me, an error. Uh, and that's why I believe that's completely wrong. Apart from that, they are right in so many other things. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, I've heard you say in, in, in your, um, your keynotes and so forth is that people are like popcorn. Tell yeah, the audience that, what you mean by that. That is a phrase that is not mine, unfortunately. It, it was invented or coined by Helen Leedstrom, uh, a friend of mine who wrote a book about uh, the, about the workplace of, of Microsoft like 10 years ago. And then she phrased that, uh, coined that phrase. And I, and I just love it. And sometimes I use it and I refer to her. So Helen, this is for you. Uh, so basically what it's about is that uh, you have like a bag of microwave popcorn, right? And, and, and I have, I always bring that bag with me when, I, when I'm doing that part of my lecture or speech, you know, and, and I show them, you know, it says premium quality on the package, right? Uh, we don't hire assholes on purpose. Everyone we hire or we believe could be, you know, of tremendous value here. Uh, but if you look at, you know, how fast do those corn pop, you know, in, in that bag, let's say for my microwave oven, it takes two things. It takes time and it takes energy to make those corns pop. And let's say that corns are people now. So in my microwave oven, it takes about two minutes. But after 30 seconds or so, the first corns start to pop. And I kind of refer them to the actively engaged people in the Gallup studies. The ones who says, come on, let's do this. This is exciting. We have a goal. We have a purpose. And then they bring the rest of the people with them. So, so in the middle of that, you know, if you look at the popcorn metaphor, then everyone starts to pop, uh, you know, after like a minute or so. It's a ba 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 ba. It just pops like crazy. And then you have some laggers at the end, and then the you know the time is up. So you bring out your bowl, uh, you bring out the, the bag of popcorn, put it in the bowl, and it looks really nice. But you will always find those bloody corns in the bottom that refuse to pop the actively disengaged people who says, I'm not going to pop. Why should I pop? It's not in my job description to pop here. I need a race if you want me to pop and all those things, right? So that's kind of the popcorn metaphor. And I, and I, and I love it so much that I want to spread Helen's word when it comes to this Helen's gospel. Uh, and when I'm out talking about that, people people actually understand it immediately uh, to, the, to the point where they... The next time they use a microwave popcorn bag and put it into the microwave, they start to think about this. Am I popping or not? And, and I just like that metaphor so much that I, that I, I'm glad to use it and, and refer to Helen and, and her wisdom when it comes to it. Yeah, and thank you so much for sharing that because it really resonated with me too. And I, I wanted to help spread the word and get that message out to the audience. So, Anthony, we get to the spot now where we need to start to maybe connect some dots here. And... What can leaders be doing to help to increase the engagement of their teams? And I'm guessing it has a little something to do with communication. It does, but I'm going to take like one step back before we go into sure. it and just looking into two different psychological uh, theories. One is called self-determination theory, uh, where you basically 
find that people want the ABCs of needs, which is autonomy, belonging, and competence. So they want to have the mandate and the freedom and the trust to do things their way. They want to belong and have fun together, and they want to grow and show their competence, be significant. Those are the things they want. And I found that if you have a team does that, they will be the one who excels. They will be the one who gives you, you know, the highest productivity and so on. But what I also did was to look deeper into something called compassion-focused theory, which is really interesting because for me, those uh, theories, th that theory is about the hidden reasons for employee engagement. Why are the team engaged or not? Not only the cultural you know, observable behaviors, but also kind of what, what kind of fuels that. And they talk about three systems in the brain in, in, that, uh, in that theory. It's the threat system, which basically means that if you feel threatened in any way, you won't get access to the higher functions of the brain. And everything is about just attack and escape. You want to go away from something that's kind of the motivational drive. And it's important to know that because if you don't understand the, the real disease, you might treat the symptoms, you know, it's, it's like trying to cure a, a brain cancer with a headache pill. It doesn't work, you know, so, so you need to kind of find those hidden reasons. And I believe that if you have a group that is really, you know, living in a toxic environment, you need to bombard them or fill them with, with empathy and compassion and safety so that they feel good again. And then you have another system in the brain, which is the exploration system. And, and this is, you know, really important for us because we needed to, you know, find bears and kill bears more or less to, to eat and, and have clothes on our bodies. And it's a really good system to have as well. The problem is if we don't have any aim, we don't have any goal, clear clarity is what's lacking here. If you don't have that, clear goals, roles, mandates, job descriptions, then people will be really frustrated. So here you need clarity. And finally, you have another system in the brain, which is the soothing system or the safety system where people feel psychological safety and, and at ease. And it's a really good place to be and rest and so on. And the problem is that you are, if you're so content that you just stay, stop there, you just want to protect and defend whatever you have, that's going to be the drive. So it doesn't take you to that higher level that you need, the highest level, which I call the sustainable growth level, where you lead by trust and by vision and by knowledge sharing and by excellent communication. So I just wanted to tell that first because before going into the communication skills that you need because you need to have communication excellence you need to have meeting competence you need to have some sort of plan to uh, develop people's performance by setting the right goals and so on yeah so that's a good uh, that, that's a good wanted, that's a good uh, spot to take a quick pause though anthony before you go yes. down the rabbit hole of getting into the communication i don't have to interrupt yes, you okay. because of a yep. commercial break but before we go to commercial why don't you tell the audience how they can connect with you if they want to learn more about you or have you come speak well, the easiest way is to spell my name right, because I'm the only one in the world with that name. So if you can spell Anthony Lassina, you will find me. My webpage is anthonylassina.com, and my LinkedIn page, you find me with my name. Those, those are my two main sources to find me. And you can find his name spelled correctly if you're watching on the video, and you'll see it on the show notes in the podcast. Anthony, don't go anywhere. Folks at home, uh, we'll be right back. We've got to run a few commercials here, pay a few bills, and we'll be right back on the other side. A stroke can be easy to detect. A loved one can't speak. Perhaps they can't move. But there's another sign of a stroke that many of us can't see. It's called spatial neglect, and it can occur during or after a stroke causing distorted visual movements. Fortunately, there's a solution by using optical prism technology during rehabilitation. 
If you or a loved one have experienced a stroke, ask your doctor about spatial neglect. Spatial neglect. See the whole picture at KesslerFoundation.org. Are you burned out, disenfranchised, disengaged, extremely distracted? Do you feel that you're lost in semantics, over-leveraged, overwhelmed? My name is Lisa Fertali, and I have a show on RVN-TV, always streaming. The name of the show is The Neuroscience of Wealth and Well-Being. The intention of this show is to explain how you can get back to homeostasis, flow states, creativity. It's highly correlated with happiness and well-being. So you can get out of overwhelm, get out of burnout, not feel distracted, and get back to your life. You will hear from experts who will get you back on track so you can enjoy your life again. RVN TV, we're always streaming. Are you part of the great resignation? Are you a business owner that would like to diversify your business holdings? Have you always had an entrepreneurial itch but did not have a concept to get you started? Milestone Franchising represents over 500 franchise concepts across 30 industries. Concepts range from $20,000 to $6 million, and they can be home-based, office-based, mobile, or brick and mortar. We guide you through the process to select which concept is best for you based upon your core competencies, your interests, and your financials. Milestone Franchising is part of the International Franchise Professionals Group, IFPG, and will bring a host of resources to assist you in your quest for business ownership. When you work with a certified franchise consultant, you gain access to a professional process that helps you succeed in your search for the right placement. Finding the best placement for you within the franchising world of 4,000 concepts is the objective. Matching your skills and goals with a culture that fits you best is the priority. For a free consultation, visit our website at milestonefranchising.com. Milestone Franchising is here to lead you in a new direction. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about connecting the dots between communication and employee engagement with Anthony Lass and I. Anthony, welcome back for the second segment here. Uh, I want to jump right in and, and pick up on the theme where I kind of cut you off at the end of the first segment in talking about communication. You talked about, or you mentioned, uh, meetings. You mentioned motivation. You mentioned communications. And I believe that you've identified a couple of what we'll call communication superpowers. I want you to unpack each of those topics uh, because now you've got plenty of time and take what you need. Yeah, so, uh, so I've written a number of books and one of them is called Employee Engagement, but it's basically about communication superpowers and communication insights that will help us in the workplace. So it's about 20 of those insights. And then I aggregated them up into the three communicative superpowers that I found. And to go through them one at a time without any particular order. Actually, we will have a particular order. I will do it in the way I think it's the pro appropriate order. The first uh, superpower when it comes to communication is empathy. Empathy so that people feel that you get them, that they understand them, that you at least try to understand them, that you're interested instead of interesting. 
asking questions, listen, not to respond, but to understand. Big difference. Uh, empathy is, is absolutely necessary. And, and I've seen in studies that if you have executives with high perceived level of empathy, it also uh, will have a higher number of engaged people, like about 70% of the workforce compared to only 15 to 30% if the workforce perceived that the highest executives have low empathy. So it's really, really important. And it's also the most fragile of the three superpowers, because as soon as you get that higher level, that, that you know, you, the promotion, the risk is that you start to feel entitled to a lot of things, that you're above, and then you lose out on the empathy. The one perhaps thing that got you there would actually be the first thing that you remove from your own kind of personality, which is a really bad thing, because then you know you, you lose the biggest part of, of, the, of the leadership communication formula, for me at least. So empathy is number one. If you if you do have that still, if you have that kind of if you're still humble enough to realize that you are there to serve, not only to 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 kind of manage. Uh, I have this expression where I say you you get the team you deserve with serve in in capital letters. If you understand that, then you will have empathy because now you have to be curious when it comes to your people and so on. And if you are. They will, you will build trust and you will build loyalty and you will build engagement. So that's the first one. And the second one is then clarity, which cannot, is almost the opposite. It's not about people feel that you understand them. It's when people feel that they understand you. So this is when you are clear in your own message and communication. Uh, it's about, you know, you can, there's tons of techniques for this. And I actually spend about a third of my time on each one of them when I coach leaders and so on on this. So clarity is about making it simple, not stupid. It's about making people feel smart so that they understand your message and also remember your message because people cannot act on what they don't remember. So the whole thing about just, you know, there's an expression, I think it's from Maya Angelou when it says something like, she says something like, um, I don't remember what you said, but I do remember how you made me feel. For me, that is a beautiful and useless quote. Because if you don't remember what I said, how can you act on it? So from a leadership perspective, I also need you to understand what I say and remember it so that you can act on it. And then the third one is more of the nonverbal communication, and I call that superpower energy. Energy so that my people believe that I believe. Why should they believe if I don't seem to do it? So again, it's mostly observable through the body language and the voice. The, the ancient type of communication that we've had for millions of years, which is also the strongest because of that reason. Uh, so those are the three superpowers that I, that I talk about. And then you can, of course, go into details on each one of them. And there's a number of techniques and so on to work with when it comes to all three of those superpowers. Yeah. And when you hit on empathy as being number one, it's interesting because in my second book, I've got uh, some some pages that are dedicated specifically to the impact of empathy on leadership skills and how that drives business value. So uh, again, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir here and uh, it's really good stuff. Tell us how, Anthony, we, we can harness these three superpowers to then motivate our teams. Well, I mean, if they feel that you see them, hear them, respect them, that you listen to them, not only hearing sound, registering sound waves, but really, you know, are there for them, but also explain very clearly, you know, what it is that you uh, believe is important and so on, you will get that interaction going. So you involve people more than you inform, for instance. I think that true leaders are really good at informing because they're also very inspirational, while bad leaders have a problem with with 
inspiration, which means that everything is just about information meetings, PowerPoint and Excel and so forth. That's not going to work. There's yeah. another study showing that if you have high energy compared with high uh, clarity, then you get around 70% engaged people as well. Uh, while if you have low energy and low clarity, you will get about 0% engagement from the people you, you talk to. So again, you know, those are really important as well. Empathy, yes, but empathy is only important if you then translate it into some sort of message back as well. So it's kind of the back and forth. Yeah. That's how I see it. Anthony, do, do leaders need to be charismatic to be effective in their communication? It absolutely helps. And the good thing is that everyone can improve their charisma. It's not born. People have more or less talent, but everyone can do it. So yeah, it helps if you want to influence people, if you want to influence processes, if you want to have that power, for sure you can get help from that. Well, tell us how we do that. How do we increase our charisma? You work with the three superpowers. There's a lot of uh, you know research on this as well. So uh, a couple of them are, for instance, empathy. We talked about that. Uh, being bold, having a bold statement, a bold goal, like a courageous goal, and, and communicate that in a clear way and then invite people to follow you. I actually believe that leaders serve a cause and a goal and then invite people to follow them. And if people follow, then you are a leader. If they don't follow, you're not a leader. So it's, uh, And then you have you know, good managers there to serve the team, serve the team, helping them together with you know, everyone to reach that goal on that leader. You can, be, you can be both a leader and a manager at the same time, but you don't have to. Anthony, for folks who are watching and listening and want to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to connect with you? If you can spell my name, you will find me on LinkedIn, which is my main playground where I share insights at least three times a week. And then I have anthonylastinai.com where you have videos of, of full keynotes if you want to look at, look at them and also insights and other things. Yeah, lots of videos and uh, lots to read as well on that website. Yep, I have written a number of books, and some of them have been translated to English as well. So, yeah. Yeah, really good stuff. Um, I want to continue on. You, you mentioned about having um, a, a meeting leadership formula. Talk to us about that. I have a number that. about it. I have one that I think that you think about. It's, it's, a, it's a formula that says that E equals E times E, which, of course, is mathematically stupid, but it's, it's about psychology. <laughs> And the reason was that I was really annoyed and frustrated with everyone around me, every company I went to and, and talked to every client I had talked about efficiency. Everything was about efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. And I, and I said, that, that is a one-dimensional thinking, which means that it's going to be a one-dimensional leadership. Yes, you do need efficiency. Absolutely. For instance, let's say we talk about a very practical case of a goal, oh, sorry, of a meeting. You need a goal, you need an agenda, you need, uh, you know, milestones or whatever it is, but that's not enough. You also need the other E, which is energy, enthusiasm, and so on. And if you have a really high, a high level of efficiency, but very low energy, you're not going to get the effect you want, because effect is the third E. That is what you want. So you want high energy paired with high efficiency, then you get a high effect. And that's really everything that matters. So if you find yourself having a really nice structured agenda and everything, but there's no involvement, no purpose, nothing like that, people will be bored. And if you have only uh, coffee and cake and champagne, but no structure, then people will be very happy, but nothing will happen. So you do need both. That's why I have this simple, but really effective formula system that E equals E times E. The effect equals the efficiency times energy. That's the formula. 
Yeah, Anthony, we're just about to the end of the program here, but I want to just continue yep. on that theme for another moment here. Uh, do you believe that meetings should have certain lengths? Is there is there too much or too little? What, what's your recommendation for what the the appropriate time for a meeting should look like? It completely depends on the purpose of why you have that meeting at all and what the goal is for that meeting. So you cannot really say. The only thing I can say is that shorter is better than longer. And many are probably unnecessary. Uh, to, to a large extent, yes. I mean, I have like a hundred other tips I can give you. Perhaps my best one is that you, that you work with informing before and then discussing while having the meeting instead of you know, speculating afterwards. So inform first, then and involve during, and then implement after. That's kind of the order. Inform, involve, doing. That's awesome. Anthony, unfortunately, we are out of time here today, but I can't thank you enough for joining us today and, and sharing your insights with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Our pleasure to have you. We've been talking with Anthony Lassenai, communication expert. Do check out his website. His name is spelled here in the show notes and on the lower third, so definitely look that up. Uh, big thank you to the folks in the production room here today for making the show go smoothly, as they always do. And of course, a big thank you to you out there in the audience for watching and listening. We can't do the program without you. Please hit the subscribe button. And remember that I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their businesses and intangible assets are worth. And you can always reach me on LinkedIn. That's all we have for today, folks. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care.